Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Where are you comfortable as a leader and where do you need to take the leap? That's the exact question that today's guest wrestled with as she moved from the comfort of teaching English and Shakespeare's sonnets to pitching and creating a new class focused on innovation and design thinking. A little later in the episode, I hear about an activity that was truly a purple cow. It was remarkable, and it's called a failure resume. This is a powerful anti-resume you should put together, even if it's just for yourself. Here's the thing. If you're applying for jobs, you're going to be asked about your biggest mistakes. The failure resume will help. And every elite performer I know is incredibly self-aware. They are able to identify their strengths, but also their weaknesses, and leverage them into teachable moments and learn from them. I believe failure is a powerful teacher and a prerequisite for innovation and success. By reflecting on your failures, learning from them, and moving past them, you will level up. Remember, everyone wins when you get better, ruckus maker. I love the idea of a failure resume so much, I create a resource for you available at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash failure resume, all one word. You can download it for free to see my top failures and download a template to walk you through your failures and help you understand how you've grown and what you're truly capable of. Download the failure resume at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash failure resume, one word. So Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Conrad Challenge unleashes the potential of students to solve the world's most difficult problems. Register until November 1st at theconradchallenge.org. Well, hey, Ruckus Maker, I'm joined by Christy Letter, a teacher at a public charter in Lafayette, Colorado. Christy is interested in how students and schools are afraid to fail. Her students uh, won multiple awards at the Conrad Challenge last year. And she's also a creative writer with a book of short stories coming out in late September called Fire in the Hole. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. So you were an English teacher and we were talking about Shakespeare in the Globe, which is just a little bit south of where I'm at in Glasgow, (laughs) Scotland. But then you took a radical shift, right, from English to teaching innovation and design thinking. And the ruckus maker that's listening right now breaks free from the status quo and they make change happen. That's what you do as well. Tell us a story of starting this innovation and design thinking class. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that people are willing to make a ruckus, your listeners, because that was definitely a ruckus was the word for what happened when I tried to switch from teaching what I'm really comfortable with teaching. I've been teaching English for 18 years. And again, super comfortable with the rhythms of iambic pentameter. 
but really didn't know anything about design thinking and, and putting all that together. So my principal was very generous and decided that we could have a design thinking class um, for 10th graders. And I took course after course and did reading after reading and then put it together. And I have to say that, you know, it was both fabulous and full of failure and mess. Um, at one point, we were repurposing orange pulp that was left over, and um, we were the only high school allowed to enter this contest for, you know, essentially what was college-level classes um, in science. Of course, I am an English teacher, not a science teacher, and they were making toothpaste and energy bars, and I had to brush my teeth with the most disgusting prototypes you have ever even imagined. Orange pulp, although it makes a, a really eco-friendly toothpaste, it, it really tastes terrible. Um, and <laughs> there were 26 prototypes of that terribleness and I, I tasted all of them. So I almost want to ask, uh, do you remember which one was the worst? Well, it was basically, um, she had to move away from using this group was, was trying to figure out, like, we just waste this orange pulp that is left over after they make orange juice. And what could we do with it? And making toothpaste was a great idea, but she had mint in it. And I don't know if you have ever had the experience of brushing your teeth and then having orange juice, but take how disgusting that is and, and sort of multiply it. And that was what was happening with all these iterations of the toothpaste she was trying to make. And it really was so bad, but you know, that's, that's, that's how in invention and ingenuity and innovation happens. You just have to keep failing and trying. And I unfortunately had to keep tasting it and it was, it was just so bad. I don't have the orange juice experience, but I try not to brush my teeth before enjoying a, a nice beer or some wines, so probably <laughs> a little bit similar. Take us to the moment though, like what, or maybe there is, or maybe there isn't. Why make that shift, right? From English to design thinking and innovation. What, what caused that? Was there a catalyst or maybe there wasn't? For me, the catalyst was just really realizing how in English classes, for example, um, my students became very singularly focused on grades and tests and achievement to the point where you know, they, they weren't as comfortable with the ambiguity of literature. They weren't as comfortable with not really knowing who is mad and who is mad in craft, as Shakespeare says it, in Hamlet. And when given creative assignments, you know, they, they were compliant and they were like, awesome, what would you like me to create? And you're like, no, 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 that's, that's not the question, right? Like, what, how do you want to solve and create and express? And so in pushing for creativity that became really something that you know I'm really passionate about as a writer but I'm really passionate about building and my students and I'm sure ruckus makers are very passionate about creativity and innovation as well but that that became a, a real focus for me so when the chance came to cross you know create something cross curricular because of course english literature is history and is art history and is quantum physics and you know it's all of that so this it pushed me out of my comfort zone, but in the process allowed me to push students out of theirs. Um, I think to, to a really good effect. Yeah. So in many ways you all were, uh, growing together, right. Since you, you, you absolutely. Pushed. Yeah. Wow. And then, so within this class, this innovation design thinking class, at some point you hear about the Conrad challenge. Yeah. And 
we hadn't ever participated before and it was, it made me nervous. Right. I mean, and that's, I guess that's a good thing. I learned to recognize my nervousness and see that as an opportunity because it was asking the students to just take on these global challenges and come up with solutions. So we got a grant to pay for our entry fees and the students chose what they wanted to solve in collaborative groups and, and went forward. And it was really, you know, the thing about innovation, once you begin a project, I, as a teacher have no idea where it's going to go. I have no control over it. And I have no sense for like, Oh, well, this is, let me, let me just backwards design from this delightful thing that I've envisioned that that doesn't happen at all, but it really went in ways I couldn't have anticipated but it ended up at the Kennedy Space Center, you know, meeting Nancy Conrad and standing on that stage. And I wept several times watching my students present to astronauts. It was, it was pretty, yeah. That's so good. Yeah, Nancy was on the show last year to promote uh, the Conrad Challenge. And, and um, that's been a great partnership uh, for Better Leaders, Better Schools. And I'm really excited to talk with you today, Christy, uh, because you've been through the process. Your students uh experienced quite a bit of success, you know, and, and did some interesting things. So can you tell us uh, what were some of those projects that they decided to explore? Absolutely. So they decided most of the projects that took us all the way to Florida, right, to the Kennedy Space Center, were in the smoke-free world category where they were thinking of different ways to both help teenagers stop vaping and help find alternate uses for tobacco so that Malawi tobacco farmers um, had an alternate crop you know, or, an, or an alternate use for their crop that would um, help them financially so that, that when smoking was reduced, they wouldn't have their livelihoods taken away. And then the other groups really, two groups we had, worked to come up with solutions for BD production and consumption in India. And so... Um, and we had another group that designed a chair for astronauts and then other groups who didn't quite make it, but had, you know, there were so many categories in the Conrad challenge. They were designing, you know, sort of environmentally friendly technology for houses and things like that. But the ones that, the ones that Conrad really recognized were, were mostly in the, the smoking category. And that was very, very odd um, in terms of, you know, my curriculum and in terms of figuring out like, okay, we're going to have to do science experiments on tobacco leaves at our school. Is that legal? And right. These are questions I've never asked as an English. Is that legal? How does one do that? How do you do it? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Right. And then trying to, and I of course have an English classroom, not a science lab. And so there was a lot of, we had to reach out, we had to borrow things. We had to get expertise from so many other places trying to figure out what we were doing as these students collaborated to solve these problems. And that could have so easily turned into um, these obstacles are just insurmountable and we have to quit, right? Yes. You know, what I kept hearing you say uh, over and over is we figured it out. So uh, I don't know, is that something that's inside you, part of your DNA? It was a combination of just working with the kids that weren't going to let you give up. Um, but how did you, how did you really foster that sense, right, of identity, sure. as opposed to the, the traditional like of being afraid of failure and obstacles and challenges? Right. Well, and I think that that's 
I, I had to build that. I don't think it was accidental that the Conrad challenge came after we had been in class for several months. The summer homework for my classes, I create a failure resume. And I really mm-hmm. allow me to tell you and to tell the ruckus makers I have failed so spectacularly in so many different ways. So I write a resume of all the ways that I've failed. Then beneath each failure, I talk about, you know, some of the things that have happened, you know, or some of the opportunities I've been given because of my failures. And then they write their own failure resumes. So we begin the year by sharing failure. I mean, we just, we go for it. And then the other thing I think too is, and then we, we respond to each other's failures and we create for each other based on how can we best support each other. But also we spent so much time in class working on collaboration, which I would say is another sort of invisible skill that we don't realize that students don't know how to do. Um, they know how to let the smartest person take the lead. Do the work. <laughs> right, do all the work. But they don't actually know and they don't actually understand how important collaboration is and how the best yeah. team are not all the same, but they have all these really different aspects. So we worked so explicitly on collaboration, but that by the time we got to the point where we were like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Um, you know, when one person had that that moment and sometimes that person was me like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? I'm freaking out. Um, then somebody else came in and was like, we got this. So it really, it, because we started off from a point of mutual failure, that, that allowed us to collaborate and, and sort of press forward when it got hard. Christy, you didn't tell me that in the pre-chat, the failure resume, because I would have built 5,000 <laughs> questions on that alone. So for the ruckus maker listening, it's great. I mean, I got the sense that you you start the year off there. It makes it a, a authentic space. It makes it a vulnerable space. It says that we're going to take risks. We're going to screw things up. And that's exactly what we want because yes. this is how we've grown. So now please be specific with the failure resume. Is that just in the, the past year? Is that through your whole life? Like, how do you frame that for your students? I'll stop there. I have more questions, but I don't want to bombard you. <laughs> okay. Well, with my own personal failures, okay, first of all, there's so many that I certainly have to pick and choose when putting it in a two-page resume resume for my students. And there's a few that I perhaps would not like to share um, with 15-year-olds. but. I focus on everything from my own, you know, creative goals and the fact that I wanted to be a best-selling novelist by now. I talk about my fashion failures, you know, which I compensate, you know, and then with, with all the ways that I talk about what I'm disappointed about in myself, I then talk about what opportunities I've been given or that I've taken in response to those failures, how the failures have been an opportunity and built me to where where exactly I, I am right now. So for example, with the um, fashion failures of which there's been a lifetime, I have compensated by, I wear the same outfit. I have 10 copies, but I wear the same outfit every day to work. And although, you know, you're, that's not fashionable, which is one thing I've never achieved. It sure makes my mornings really easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some greats who did that too. So uh, Steve Jobs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's your it's your black turtleneck, right? It is. Super cool. All right. Interesting. Tell me about the responding to failures. What does that look like within the class? So, well, that's where 
I think too, it's so hard again, and I'm going back to the sort of perfectionism test taking individual achievement model. We have to embrace this kind of failure because otherwise they, they can't keep ideating after the first idea fails if they don't have a staunch response to failure. So one of the first prototyping lessons we did, we had, um, this amazing designer in our community, her name is Denise, and she came in and they were taking worn out gross shoes and turning them into something productive. And so she gave them the assignment and they made it and she came in and looked at it, but then they thought they were done. They thought they had finished and they were working in collaborative groups. And she said, no, 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 no. In designing, this is just one iteration. This is just one you know, prototype. And now you have to make the next one. And she gave them all feedback. And then they had to take apart what they considered to be their beautiful finished, ready to frame, you know, sort of project. Masterpiece. Yeah. Right. Cause they had made backpacks out of shoes. They had made um, footballs out of shoes, you know, old shoes and they were so proud, but then they had to to take it apart and make it better and make it again. So removing the attachment to the singular product, to the singular success, and then, okay, but we've got to collaborate and we've got to keep going. We've got to keep trying. We've got to fix what went wrong and finding out what's wrong is an opportunity to make it better. And uh, that's that's tough. I, there was definitely a moment where if you could have seen the faces and they were super proud of what they had made and that was fabulous, but when they realized they weren't done, that there was another step and that there's always another, another step in the design to, to make it better. I think that really led them to the place where they were like, okay, I'm ready to make a phone call to India to find out information. I don't know. Right. I mean, it, there was definitely a journey to get there. Chrissy, I'm enjoying this uh, conversation. We'll continue in just a second, but we're going to pause here for a message from our sponsors. Students who participate in the Conrad Challenge don't learn to think outside the box. They realize there's no box to begin with. Learn how innovation takes off and soars beyond the confines of traditional education. Register until November 1st at conradchallenge.org. And we're back with Christy Letter. We were talking how she pitched the idea of an innovation and design thinking class and started that at her uh, charter school, we've been talking Conrad Challenge. We've been talking failure in the failure resume, which was extremely interesting to me. For the ruckus maker listening, if they're new to the show or they haven't heard about the Conrad Challenge, can you talk to her specifically and tell this? Mostly it's, it's principals and APs that listen, but we do have teachers for sure and then folks in central office. But Conrad Challenge, why should students apply? So the Conrad challenge, um, one of the things that's so extraordinary about it is, you know, I used the word sort of cross-curricular before, but even if the students, there are, um, I think eight categories this year, and no matter which category the collaborative group of students chooses to enter, and it's always collaborative groups, it's not students working alone. What the Conrad challenge requires is such a process of design thinking that it really does cover every academic area and this idea that like, well, that, that requires them to do science and this requires them, you know, to understand sort of social dynamics and this requires them to use technology that truly um, they have to ideate, they have to come up with a solution, they have to communicate, they have to make a, you know, one minute video expressing themselves, they have to write a business plan. Hmm. 
And then when, you know, and not only that, they have to create a solution, which in some cases involves a full physical prototype. I tried a lot of toothpicks. Uh, so, the, you know, one of the groups made toothpicks made with flavor profiles that were very appropriate to this particular area in India. And those toothpicks were to help people stop smoking because they could, you know, have the, the oral fixation on the, with the toothpicks and then the, the spiciness would counter the desire for tobacco, but they had to make that. It's such a process because they have to go through it. And then at the end, we had to write a patent. It's every subject and it's every academic, you know, sort of task that students learn in a classroom and in isolation and wonder, when am I going to have to use this? Mm -hmm. And then you have to actually, in this project, you know, you're, you have to present yourself and you have to express yourself and you have to do statistical analysis and you have to make things and understand science and you know use technology and and then at the very end when you go to the Kennedy Center you have to have the confidence to stand up in front of you know members of the navy and of nasa and scientists from all and people from all over the world uh, and present your ideas and present them with confidence so it is truly whatever the point is of learning all of these different subjects in the different rooms, right? The Conrad challenge is a chance for students to combine them into a practicality and then feel like they're being heard. That was really, I would say, for my students, especially the ones who hadn't had traditional measures of academic success, you know, who weren't considered, quote unquote, good students, they were just astonished and they said, they really want to live listen to me. And they were talking about these luminaries. They were talking about Nancy Conrad. They were talking about astronauts, right? Who were listening to them. Wow. That's such a powerful experience. And when you make the connections, right, you're connecting the dots, uh, you're innovating, uh, it's authentic. It's amazing what what happens as a result, how your kids show up. That's just uh, such a great story. I could see why there were tears on the stage for sure. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, uh, Christy gets these last two questions as we finish up our conversation here. If you could put a message across all schools around the world um, on a school marquee for just a day, what what would it say? So uh, my message would quote Samuel Beckett, uh, who I love, wonderful author. And it would say fail better because we're so, so obsessed with these metrics of success and student scores and all the sort of numerical ways to, to tabulate. And one thing that I have learned through, you know, tasting terrible toothpastes and having messes I don't know how to clean up in my room and asking questions about whether or not something I need to do in my classroom is literally legal, is that this idea of failure needs to be something that we teach and it needs to be something that we require. And it is only through failing that students will actually innovate and, and change the world and get up there on that stage at the Conrad Challenge. They, they have to fail. And we have to teach them to fail better. And we ourselves as instructors need to give ourselves permission and as ruckus makers and leaders, you know, let's cultivate some failure. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school, Christy? And what would be your top three priorities? Oh my goodness. This question is so dreamy that I, um, it, it's almost hard to answer because I love it so much. I love thinking about it so much. But my priorities 
would be teaching collaboration, teaching students not just to achieve as individuals, but to work together um, and teaching teachers to work together. I needed so much help. And so many people were so willing to collaborate and really asking for students to be able to collaborate with each other. That's one. Failure is another. That there is so much that they need to learn and they can only learn by trying and failing and trying again and failing and moving forward with that. Uh, And then the other thing is just the idea of community and responsibility to the world, which naturally comes out of the other two. But, you know, that a school is not something isolated, but something deeply, intimately connected to the world. And, you know, the school is there to raise up those who will solve the world's problems. So that's a pretty beautiful responsibility. That's right. Christy, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? (laughs) Oh, ruckus makers. Uh, Please, please, please go forth and encourage failure. I think that it is just the best thing that you possibly can do. Uh, Encourage it in yourself, right? Don't hold yourself to such a high and immutable standard and encourage it in your teachers and encourage it in your students. It's, It's a beautiful thing. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.